energy. How does anybody live and drive in Boston every single day? This guy stopped in the middle of the road with his hazard lights on. This guy won't yield. That guy won't let you go. That guy passes in front of you. That guy goes three lanes of traffic all in one shot. How does anybody do this? The passion. Look, if the Red Sox aren't going to play Yoshida Endeavors as they're about to get swept, then we might as well just give up and go home. The opinions on all your favorite teams. I'm glad that Mac Jones looks better. That's really important. He needs to look better. But if it were a video game, he'd still have an overall rating of 76, and that ain't cutting it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Full show tonight, all 90 minutes here on DEV. We're up until 7 o'clock. Jazz with George Thomas and then racing over at Thunder Road. So you can get in. On the text line, as always, 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. we got a lot to get to. Danny is on the other side of the glass. Danny, how was your uh, off day yesterday, at least from the news and the show? Did you do anything good in the afternoon? Nothing too exciting, no. I uh, I went Nothing golfing yesterday. I went, went golfing? golfing yesterday. Yeah, went golfing. Uh, you know, proceeded to play. Now, I met my dad. We always kind of meet in the middle, and... Played a little bit of an easier course yesterday. I shot a 92, which for me is phenomenal. But again, this course yielded itself to 92, so it wasn't you know don't don't give me the gold medal for anything. But yeah, it was good to be out. Weather was largely good where we played, so always good to meet up with him. Always good to play. And uh, look, those Red Sox day games are rare and they are fleeting. So taking a chance of it. Uh, and, uh, and enjoyed some time outside while we got it. So, again, text line is open, 802-585-3026. I am glad to be back, though, and a lot of stuff here on the Patriots to get to as well. A lot of stuff on the Red Sox and Buster Olney going to stop by in about 15 minutes. Danny, let go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber. Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I want to say this. If you are uh, checking us out on the video stream, if you're watching us on Facebook Live or on YouTube Live, Danny, I'm switching it up today with a different virtual background. I haven't switched it up yet, but I'm about to. There you go. That's my new virtual background. I hope you all like that if you're watching there. Classic. Danny can see it right now. I am in what looks like some kind of beautiful multi-million dollar home. I'm not really in a multi-million dollar home. I do not have a grand piano behind me, as this picture would indicate. But it's cozy. It's fun. And uh, as I told you, since we switched up the uh, kind of the setup here of the studios, where Danny's in the main studio where I've always been, and I'm kind of across the way from him, I was like, hey, we got a green screen. I'm going to make it look fun. Some days I might be at Fenway. Yesterday, last week I was in the fake radio studio. I like that. I'll probably go back to that at some point. But today I'm in this kind of uh, cozy house setting. So um, certainly out of my price range, especially with mortgage rates nearing 7%, uh, certainly out of my price range. But it is a lot of fun. So I'm having fun. It's uh, easily amused, Danny, the things that amuse me. Easily amused I am. Um, Red Sox are off today. They need an off day. They've lost four of their last six games. They go out west. They lose two of three to the Giants. They lose two of three to the Mariners. I am happy that my Mariners won two out of three. It was important for them. Now that the series is over, I can get back into liking the Red Sox and just focusing on them. Two full days after the fact, I still can't get over the lack of action for the Red Sox at the trade deadline. I cannot get over it, and I imagine a lot of you feel the same way as well now the Red Sox came out and played really hard on Tuesday and ended up winning that game on Tuesday by a score of 6-4 they tried to blow it but they ended up winning at 6-4 yesterday they have a 3-0 lead you're feeling like hey it didn't affect them that much the guys aren't bothered by this they're playing hard and they're going to be okay and then they go out and blow it and you know what would have helped another bullpen arm you know what would have helped another bullpen arm and they didn't go out and get it and, and it's not just the bullpen. They needed help with the pen. They needed help with the rotation. They needed a rotation guy that could have pushed somebody to the pen. They could have used an infielder, and they didn't do it. And here we are 48 hours later. I remain frustrated. And let me tell you the situation the Red Sox are in right now. 
The Red Sox are looking at a season-defining weekend this weekend. Okay, they're off today. Coming into today, the Red Sox are two and a half games back of the Toronto Blue Jays. Danny, the Blue Jays are playing right now against the Orioles. You can give us a score update. That game should not be over yet, but I don't know what the score is. You can tell us here in a second. But coming into today, it's two and a half games that separate the Red Sox from the Blue Jays. If the Red Sox get swept by Toronto, your season is probably over. If the Red Sox get swept by the Jays, you're probably over. Your season is probably done. If you win two out of three, if you take a sweep, now you've got the lead in the wild card, and now your season is very much alive. But this is a season-defining series this weekend at Fenway Park for the Red Sox. The Red Sox have played very well against Toronto this season. They've owned the season series against Toronto in a way they didn't last year. They just swept them when they last played them in Toronto, I believe. That was at the end of uh, the very end of July, or the very end of June, I should say, heading into July. So, I mean, th- this is it right now. And as you head into this week, right, you had a huge series against Seattle that coincided with the trade deadline, a team that's directly behind you, and and then you have now a a season-defining series against Toronto, and you elected to basically sit out the trade deadline. Man, it bothers me to no end. It bothers me to no end that the Red Sox did this, and it bothers me that High and Bloom did this. I have defended High and Bloom a lot over the last couple of years, and I told you this on Tuesday, but no matter how much I defend him, I, I can't reconcile everything that he does. And I was talking in the news, if you were listening at 4.30 with Jack Main of NBC5, because he called in and I wanted to talk with him about this. We were talking about the Red Sox. We were talking about High and Bloom. Danny, can you play High and Bloom number one? Bloom was kind of talking about why the Red Sox sat the trade deadline out and kind of where they're at right now. Can you play that cut? Man, I think we were on the phone uh, near constantly today and, and, and through a lot of yesterday. Uh, just looking at all sorts of possibilities and just trying as much as we could to stay true to you know, everything I've talked about. We, we really like what we're building. You've seen it now. Like I said, it's not something that we're asking people to close their eyes and dream on. You're seeing it more and more uh, each night on the field, uh, the core we're building, what we're building towards. Uh, so we basically, you know, understanding that we're underdogs this year right now where we are in the playoff odds, we just tried to stay true to that. Okay. I agree with a lot of what High and Bloom said. The last part really bothers me. Let me get to what bothers me first. He says at the end of that, we're underdogs. We tried to stay true to that. So what? Like because we're not in a playoff spot right now, you can't go for it. I, I disagree with that. I don't believe that we should be in a world where only the teams that are in present playoff position are allowed to make a shot at this thing. Okay, you look at the Angels, who were four and a half, five back, and then they're, they're all in. They got six, seven guys at the deadline. I'm not asking the Red Sox, <clears throat> excuse me, to do that. But, like, have a pulse. Show me that you care as much as I care. Show me that you care as much as the players care. This team deserved it. So when you, so what, the Red Sox have to be in first place for them to you, for, for you to believe that they can do something? I disagree with that. I think that was the wrong thing for Ian Bloom to say. Now let's back it up to the very beginning of what Bloom said. And I think we were on the phone uh, near constantly today and, and, and through a lot of yesterday. Uh, just looking at all sorts of possibilities and just trying as much as we could to stay true to you know, everything I've talked about. We, we really like what we're building. You've seen it now. Like I said, it's not something that we're asking people to close their eyes and dream on. You're seeing it more and more uh, each night on the field. Uh, okay. I agree with High and Bloom about the way to build a baseball team. But do not let the future always be the enemy of now. Do not let it always be the enemy of now. Hi and Bloom and I are in total agreement. I've told you this 9,000 times. I believe that the best baseball teams are homegrown teams. There's a reason why in the NFL it's all about the draft. There is a reason why the draft is so huge. There's a reason why in the NBA, though we focus on free agency, it's a reason why, you know, Steph, Clay, and Draymond have been able to grow together because they're a homegrown core. Okay, homegrown cores generally work out better than, than assembled all-star teams. And the same is true in baseball. I look at the Houston Astros, largely a homegrown core. Again, yes, they've had their Justin Verlanders, and yes, they had their Garrett Coles, but you look through the through the Astros dynasty, George Springer and Dallas Keuchel and Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and Jordan Alvarez, a largely young, drafted, developed, signed, or traded for at a young age core. This is how they've done it. When the Kansas City Royals won the World Series, 
drafted and developed core. When the Mets got to the World Series in 2015, drafted and developed core. Harvey, Syndergaard, DeGrom. When you look at, uh, uh, when I look at the Cubs, Bryant and Rizzo, all these guys, they were, and Javi Baez, they were Cubs guys through and through. This is how good baseball teams are built. High and Bloom is right in that. And he is right that we are seeing that play out in front of us with the Red Sox. Bayo and Duran and Casas and Cutter Crawford, they're all taking the next step, and they're all integral parts of what the Red Sox are doing. And Connor Wong, Devers, you see this. He's right. He's a 1,000% right. And that is how the core of the Red Sox in the future should be built. But just because you have a future you don't want to compromise doesn't mean that you have to forget about it now. Do not let the future compromise, be the enemy of now always. And that's what High and Bloom seems to be doing, and that is what bothers me. As I told you on Tuesday, the Red Sox did not have to deal Marcelo Meyer. The Red Sox did not have to deal Nick York or Blaze Jordan or Sedan Raffaella. I wouldn't have been in favor of dealing from that core either. But the Red Sox have built up a farm system now that is good enough, now that has enough depth, that they could have gone out and made moves that really didn't cost them that much. I look at moves that other teams made. You know, I think Mark Canna went to the Brewers for, what, like the 29th-ranked prospect in an organization. You're telling me you couldn't have done that. You couldn't have gone out and found a pitcher's equivalent of Marcana and for your 26th prospect or your 21st prospect, of course you could have. You couldn't have bought a player like Steve Cohen does. You couldn't have used your money and your financial wherewithal to just get somebody out of a contract. Of course you could have, and you didn't. So, yes, the core is important. The future is important. And I don't want to ruin that. But you can't let it affect everything you do now because now this this is not a wasted season and this doesn't mean the Red Sox are going nowhere. But the Red Sox didn't help themselves, and that bothers me. I'm in favor of the team helping themselves. 802-585-3026. Texter want to know, did you get 92 in golf for nine holes? Uh, No, this was a full 18. Thank you very much, Phil and Middlesex. Way to uh, come in strong with the Red Sox there. Instead of, or, or way to not come in strong with about the Red Sox and a bag on my golf game. I'll take you, Phil, anytime, anywhere, unless you're good, in which case I won't. Uh, you know who is good? Buster Olney, our ESPN MLB insider. Buster Olney is going to be with us next here on the Brady Farkas Show. Does he agree with me? Is he as upset about the Red Sox as I am? We'll find out next on the evening. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on this Thursday, WDEV AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Red Sox off today. They're back at it tomorrow for a huge series against the Blue Jays. Disappointing end to a series in Seattle. They lose two of three to the Mariners. They lose four of six on the West Coast between the Mariners and Giants, and not a lot brewing at the trade deadline either for the Sox, but that said, they are still just uh, two and a half games back of the final wild card spot. Joining us now is Buster Olney from ESPN. Buster, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, and the Red Sox are pretty much in the same position that they were, you know, a year ago at the trade deadline with the decisions they made then. And yet, as Alex Cora said, it does feel different uh, given the recent trajectory of the team and some of the guys that, uh, that they'll be adding here coming up. Well, let me just ask you about the trade deadline specifically. They really did nothing. They got Arias, the, the backup kind of quad A infielder from the Brewers, but that's more of a depth move and not really a deadline move as far as I'm concerned. What did you make of what the Sox did or didn't do, given that they are in this thing here as we uh, hit August? I think from 30,000 feet, it's a little surprising they didn't do anything. Uh, you and I talked you know, during the wintertime about uh, after Xander Bogarts left, after Mookie Betts was traded away, that there was pressure on the team to demonstrate that they would be more aggressive, which led to the Raphael Devers deal. In the same way, you know, given the fact that they had such a, a lackluster performance at the trade deadline last year, uh, I thought there was pressure on them to do something. But uh, as I say, I think when you look at it within the context of what they have, uh, coming back, and on top of that, um, you know, the fact that the market uh, was not kind to teams that needed starting pitching, 
it doesn't surprise me that the Red Sox didn't add. Look, and they're not the only team that didn't uh, get the starting pitching they wanted. The Dodgers, as you know, tried and failed to get Eduardo Rodriguez and the Tigers. Yep. The Reds were looking for starting pitcher. They weren't able to land what they wanted to. The Yankees had poked around on that. They decided to take a step back. So it's not as if the Red Sox are alone in uh, finding that the starting pitching market didn't play out as much as they wanted to. So I, I think, you know, within that context uh, and within the, the context of having all these guys coming back, it's not a surprise they landed where they landed. What do you think, or how do you think this all lands in the clubhouse, though? We heard Rafael Devers, who never speaks. In fact, has downplayed the idea of him being a leader this season. He came out and spoke on Sunday to Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe and, and, and lobbied for the front office to do things. So clearly the team was looking for something. How do you think it lands in the clubhouse that they didn't do anything? N- not great. Uh, and, you know, and there's part of that, you know, there have been times when, I remember back uh, when I covered the Yankees for the New York Times, you know, uh, there was a feeling within that organization, the front office, that the players were just came to expect that help would be added. And that angered some members of the front office. Like, wait a second, you guys have a good team and, and you, you're putting it on us. How about putting it on yourselves a little bit? Uh, and some, so I, I kind of wonder if the reaction to whatever said, there might be a little bit along those lines. Like, look, we're, we're, we actually have guys coming back. I also think the reality is is that, uh, you know, the players react strongly to, you know, feeling like the front office has their back. You know, the Houston Astros, back uh, feature Hall of Famer Justin Berlander. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the video of all the Astros players reacting when that news got to them. They were excited. Uh, you know, I was just texting back and forth with uh, members of the Angels organization. You know, and I asked them, hey, what was the reaction of the players when you guys decided to, you know, add Lucas Giolito? Perry Manassi said, like, they were fired up. You know, players were excited. They were happy. Um, and I, so I, if you think of it like running a marathon, I, I do feel like there's value to, you know, give the players something uh, tangible and have them feel like that they, that you've got their backs. And it's more than just, Making a strategic move with uh, with Kike Hernandez, Urias certainly is not. You know, scout someone to get the clubhouse all jazzed up in the way the Astros look with Berlander. Plus, for only ESPN MLB Insider with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Red Sox are off today. Again, they'll start a new series tomorrow night with the Blue Jays. They're two and a half games back of Toronto uh, in the wild card standings right now. Buster, last thing on the trade deadline for me is it surprised me what Hyam Bloom said when he said to the to the uh, local media on Tuesday night, he said, we're underdogs right now. We're, we're where we are in the standings. You know, the odds aren't in our favor. And it made me think, I understand not going for it when you're seven games back, when you're eight games back. But they were one and a half games back, and they're playing Toronto this yeah. weekend. They could have been in a position to hold a wild card spot by the end of the weekend. Are we at a point now in baseball where only current playoff teams can can make moves? I feel like that in in a lot of cases, and look, as we talked about, the Red Sox are uh, in a position where they know that Trevor Story is coming back, Sale, Whitlock, Howe, and so they can feel like that uh, that they're going to be getting help off the roster. But I do feel like at times uh, with a lot of these front offices that there is a general feeling of following the numbers to a degree where I think it paralyzes them. Uh, and, and I've always, you know, in the, in the back of my uh, mind, I have the voices through the years collected of guys you know, who've been through so often before, Bobby Cox, Pat Gillick, and Brian Cashman. So many people talking about, like, the, the fact that when you have an opportunity to win, you go and get it. And so the opposite of that, clearly, in recent years, has been the Houston Astros, the defending champions, where their feeling is, Look, if you have a chance, feel like you have a chance to win, you do that. And Jim Crane, their owner, he was the driving force behind their acquisition of Verlander in 2017. He's their driving force again behind this most recent deal, other moves that they've made. Uh, and I think that, the, that taking those opportunities are important. So you can, you know, look at fan graphs, the numbers, and you can, and sort of talk yourself into a corner. And in some cases, I do think that teams, talk themselves out of opportunity to get better 
you know, another example in recent years, the Atlanta Braves in 2021, look, they were below 500 when Ronald Acuna Jr. blew out his knee. And within 72 hours, they added Jock Peterson and, and uh, Stephen Moda catcher. And I remember talking to Alex Antopoulos, their general manager, and he said, you know, I feel like I need to show, demonstrate to my players that I'm trying as hard as they are and that we haven't given up on them. And, and I think that uh, in some respects he's an outlier. And, of course, you know that the bookend of that story is the fact that the Braves won on and won the yeah. World Series that year. And especially this year where it feels like there are no super teams. It really is wide open. And so if the Reds get into the playoffs, they potentially could get hot and do some damage. I don't think you should forego those opportunities. Buster, let me ask you about Trevor's story. I don't want to Boston sports radio eyes this. I don't want to feign outrage this. But story, there had been thoughts that maybe he would come back for this homestand starting tomorrow night. And story reportedly asked to stay on his rehab assignment longer. I'm not mad at him for it. I certainly want him to be healthy. But I am curious. This is a guy who's got the ultimate security. He's not in the contract year. Whether he comes up and hits 350 or come up and hits 050, he's not going to lose out on any money by this. So I'm surprised that in the midst of a playoff race with the biggest series of the year that he's not willing to come and take the chance to come and play. Again, I'm not mad at him, but I was a bit surprised at it given the security he has in the organization. What do you make of this? I think it's in keeping with, uh, what we, you know, see in baseball a lot these days where there's concern about, you know, uh, about getting everything right and being a hundred percent when you come back. And I don't know the answer or the reasons why Trevor, you know, asked for that. I do know that it does feel like that more and more I, I see the response from players being, you know, something doesn't feel right. I feel a little bit off and until they feel a hundred percent, they don't want to mm-hmm. come back. Uh, as opposed to, you know, <laughs> I, we just had a Sunday night game in Baltimore. Cal Ripken, who every day was, his feeling was, I'm going to be in the lineup. It's just different. On Sunday, the Yankees don't put Aaron Judge in, uh, in the final game of the series against the Orioles. It seems so strange to me, you know, and that the Yankees effectively are talking, talking about load management. Uh, you know, on, on Monday, uh, and I'll give you an example. It's got nothing to do with Domingo Herman and why he just went on the, you know, the, the, the restricted list because he's getting alcohol rehab. But before that start, we got word from the Yankees that he had, uh, discomfort under his right shoulder. And so you wondered, was it a scapula issue? Was it something else? And so he was scratched from his start. And as it turned out, uh, you know, he came in and start, warmed up in the bullpen in the middle of that game, which surprised everybody. And he wound up pitching pretty well. Well, it turned out he had an infected hair follicle. And they had to, uh, you know, they had to, to relieve that. And I just, it, it definitely is different than, than the game that, uh, you know, was in place for a lot of decades with the player's attitude toward being on the field. It does feel like that, uh, you know, it does feel like that there's more of a focus on, I want to make sure I'm as close to 100% as I can possibly be when I come back as opposed to, I just want to be on the field. Buster, I'll get you out of here on this. Talk about being 100%. Team that's not going to be 100% this weekend is the Toronto Blue Jays. Red Sox are going to see them at a good time. I hate, yeah. I hate injuries being part of the story, but no Bo Bichette for this weekend series. Red Sox are two and a half games back. That is a big gain for them in a big series. It, it is a huge game, and Bo Bichette has been the Blue Jays best player this year. Uh, and, and so it's a big loss. Uh, I felt like the Blue Jays were one of the underrated winners of the deadline because they went out, and, and uh, speaking of injuries, you know, Dick uh, Romano, the closer, not available. He's got a lower back issue, so they go and get Jordan Hicks. And I was around some Oriole players when that news came down on Sunday, and they were all talking about, yeah, like, that guy throws hard. He's a weapon. And they added Paul DeYoung, the shortstop, veteran shortstop from the St. Louis Cardinals, who's got a lot of experience. He's not as dynamic as Boba Shett, but at the same time, I think the Blue Jays, they're a dangerous team. They have a lot of talent. They have a good pitching rotation. I agree with you because this is one of those series you go into it and look, if you have a good, uh, a good series against them, you put yourself right in the middle of the pack in the American League wildcard chase. And on the other hand, you have a bad weekend. You have to get swept. You're effectively out of it. Yeah. That's kind of where you are when you're in the, 
you know, in the position where the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Angels are right now. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider with us every Thursday. Buster, you're the best. We'll catch up in seven days. Thank you. Thanks, Brady. Absolutely. There goes Buster Olney, our ESPN MLB Insider, who's with us every single Thursday at 545. Buster is the best. I want to start the next hour with that Trevor Story thing. Should Trevor Story be out there playing? You just heard Buster say it's a huge weekend. You just heard him say what I said, that you're effectively out of it if you end up getting swept. Should Trevor Story be trying to gut it out and play even if he's not 100%? We'll get to that, and we'll take your text on it here as we start off the 6 o'clock hour. Here on the Brady Farkas Show and WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, and always streaming for free on the WDEV radio app. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Parker Show again on the aforementioned WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I want to thank Buster Olney from ESPN for joining us, and uh, that interview is available shortly on our podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at WDEVradio.com. We do have stuff coming up here uh, on the New England Patriots in this hour. Reminder, racing tonight at Thunder Road. Our coverage begins at 8 o'clock there with Nick Mumley and Greg Titus on the call. I, I, I want to bring this up. For the text line. Again, I need your response to this. 802-585-3026. And Danny, once I'm done, I kind of want your opinion on this as well. Because I'm kind of fleshing this out in my mind. And I asked Buster about it. But I'm thinking about it now. I am not mad at Trevor's story. I want to make that very clear. But I am surprised that he is not here to play with the Red Sox this weekend. Again, I'm not mad at him. He had a very serious injury. He had a major elbow procedure done eight months ago. But I am surprised, and here's why. The Boston Red Sox are about to play the most meaningful series of the year. I told you that it means a lot. Buster just said if you get swept, the series is effectively over. So you need to be at your best this weekend. The Boston Red Sox need to win this series at the very least. Okay, It looks like the Blue Jays are about to lose to the Orioles. They were down 4-1 in the ninth at last check. So the Red Sox would be two games back of Toronto going into this series. If you sweep, you're going to be one game up. If you take at least two out of three, you're going to end the weekend down a game. You've got to win this series at the very least if you're the Red Sox. I am surprised that Trevor Story doesn't want to be a part of it. And Buster says he's surprised, too. It's kind of the culture now. Guys want to be 100%. Guys don't just want to get in the lineup. Guys just want to play. Or guys, you know, want to make sure they're fully right. Trevor Story has as much security in the organization as possible. So I'm surprised that he's not willing to play at a little less than 100%. And, again, he can be the designated hitter. Okay, Trevor Story can be the designated hitter. If his elbow doesn't feel right, if he doesn't feel like he can make this throw or that throw, okay. He can be the DH. So I'm surprised that we're not going to see him this weekend. Again, he knows the series is important. He knows that this is what he's being paid for, is to perform big in big moments here in Boston. And Trevor Story all along has wanted to play. Back in July, Trevor Story sat in the dugout and said, I want to be here. I want to be here as quick as possible. I want to come up and play DH before I'm ready to throw. Well, if Trevor Story a month ago was ready to come up and be the DH and not necessarily play infield, then why is Trevor Story not willing to do that now when the game really, really matters? This is what confuses me. Again, I'm not mad, but this is what confuses me. Because, Danny, as I think about this, we know that, guys, stats matter. Right, Stats impact reputation. Stats impact money. But Trevor Story is not a free agent at the end of the year. Trevor Story is not an impending free agent. Trevor Story's financial well-being does not depend on whether he comes back three or four days early and goes 0 for 12 in that time. Trevor Story has a six-year, $140 million contract. 
He's got four full years left after this one. If he's got an opt-out in here, but if he plays poorly, he can just opt in and collect every single dollar of that. This is fully guaranteed money. This isn't incentive-based money. This isn't the NFL where i got to sit here and say, you know what, I better be 100% because I've got to be able to go out and get this stat marker and this completion percentage, and i got to be able to make this percentage of my kicks because if I don't, then I'm not going to get my money. This That's how the NFL works. That's not how Major League Baseball works. If Trevor Story comes up here for the next week, and goes 0 for 18, then he goes 0 for 18 and he collects every dollar anyways, and he has got a chance to collect $140 million over six years with the Red Sox, no matter what. He can never get another hit for the Red Sox again and collect $140 million. So I'm confused as to why a guy who wasn't, who, who wanted to play and wanted to do everything he could to be on the field a month ago, and was like, hey, I'll come back as a DH, I'll come back and hit before I'm ready to throw. He was ready to do it a month ago. Why is he not ready now? Because his timing's a little bit off? Because he, he he's a little nervous he can't get on the fastball? Because he's a little nervous about his arm? Okay, well, then just come up and hit. I, I'm trying not to Boston sports, Boston sports radio-ify this. I'm trying not to be a hot-take artist. I'm trying not to be like the guys on... 98.5 The Sports Hub, the guys on EEI who feign outrage and get mad at everything for no reason. I'm trying not to be that guy, but I'm running through this in my head, and I'm saying here's a guy with financial security, complete financial security, that won't go out there at 90%, at 92%, at 94%, whatever it is, and I just don't get why. Because... If I was an impending free agent, right, like let's just say, like James Paxton. If James Paxton was hurt and the Red Sox said, hey, can you come back this weekend, you're at 80%. And Paxton's like, no, look, man, I'm going to be a free agent at the end of the year. There's two months left of the season. I really got to show out here, and I really need to be at my best. And I'd rather have one less start but but be really locked in than come out here and go four innings and give up nine runs and give everybody a bad first impression, that would impact my earnings. Now, we could sit here and say that's selfish, but we could also sit here and say, well, it's a business, I kind of get it. Trevor Story doesn't have that. Okay, Trevor Story doesn't have that. And I'm just confused. Danny, do you think, I think I'm asking the right question, but do you think I'm, I'm making too much of this? No, I, I'm more on the side of guys trusting their body, but does a week in AAA help a lot more? He's still going to be playing at AAA, right? Like, he's he, he's still going to be playing. He's still going to be out there. He's clearly doesn't feel 100% in some way. He clearly wants to stay at AAA to, to, to get to 100%, whether it's with his arm or whether it's with his timing or whether it's with his bat speed or whatever. It's not like he's like, hey, I need a week off. My body's barking. Hey, my elbow's killing me. I can't do anything. He's still going to be playing. You're telling me you can't come out here and play two of three games this weekend? Hey, guys, look, I'm, I'm not 100%, but this game means a lot. This this series means a lot. We're directly battling these guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll come out here, and I'll play on Friday, and I'll play on Sunday. Hey, I'll, let me be DH on Friday. Let me sit on Saturday. Then I'll get out to shortstop on Sunday. You're telling me that that's not an option here? And we're going to talk to Tom Karen of Nesson tomorrow because uh, we didn't have the show on Tuesday, or we had the show on Tuesday, but TC was working at the trade deadline, uh, so he couldn't come on, so – we're going to talk to him, and I'm just going to ask him the same question. Like, there there wasn't something that Trevor Story could have done this weekend? Or even if Trevor Story said, look, I don't feel right to play on Friday, but yeah, I'll be back on Saturday. Or I don't feel right to play on Friday and Saturday, I'll play on Sunday. But this series means a lot. This isn't, hey, it's April 10th and it's 30 degrees and we're playing Oakland, who's going to be awful. This isn't the middle of May and we got 115 games left. This is like we're in, we're at like 50 games and counting here. This is no longer a marathon. Baseball season is a marathon. This is no longer a marathon. This is a sprint now. And this is a sprint to the playoffs and you're two and a half back. Trevor Story signed with the Red Sox for money, but I also believe he signed here so he could win, so he could get to the playoffs. And this is his opportunity to do that. And he's not throwing it away. But he's not helping it this weekend against a team you're directly battling. This is when I'd want Trevor Story. This is when I want to be at my best. I look at the Blue Jays. They're not at their best right now. They're out their closer in Jordan Romano. They're out their best overall player right now in Bo Bichette. They are a little bit wounded. If they lose this game to Baltimore, which, Danny, let me know what the score is. The game is probably over at this point. 6-1 final. 
6-1 final. So the Blue Jays are coming in, licking their wounds. Now they've lost three of four inside the division. They're injured. They're licking their wounds. You have a chance to pounce. You sweep. You have a chance to be you, – you would be leading for the third wild card spot now. And Trevor Story doesn't want to play. I I don't get it. Again, I'm not mad because I do understand – listen to your body and i do understand hey i want to be at my best i don't want to hurt the team i don't want to play if i'm not 100 percent you know what 85 percent of trevor story is better than 100 percent of Yu chang at least at the plate 85 percent of trevor story is better than 100 percent of pablo reyes and 100 percent of christian arroyo that's just what it is trevor story is a multi-time all-star you're paying him 140 million dollars I-, I thought trevor story was going to be activated last week we were talking about maybe so clearly people have thought that he's ready. This is not, I don't think, me saying, hey, get out there when you're 50% and play hurt. I'm not advocating for that. But I thought we were talking about Trevor Story maybe being ready a week ago. Tom Karen told us maybe this this homestand this Friday. So this has kind of always been the target. And now it's going to be more and Story's asked to stay in AAA. And I just, I I can't help but think there was something that could have been done to get him playing this week. Um, Peter and Williston says, uh, after speaking to my buddy who's a diehard fanatic, we see the Sox going on a hot streak beginning this weekend. I hope you're right. Phil says Trevor Story is soft. I'm not going to go that far. I don't know Trevor Story. I don't know Trevor Story. He played with a bum elbow for two seasons. I, I can't call him soft. I just th- You know what I really think, and Danny, your thoughts on this too, I think this is a this is a byproduct of poor uh, uh, this is a byproduct of analytics run amok. The numbers now dictate so much for these guys and the numbers are how they are judged and the analytics are how they are judged that they don't want to put themselves in a position to grade out poorly. I think this is what this is about. And Think about it like the NBA. I've said this before about the NBA too, Danny. Load management is a problem in the NBA because we as the media and we as fans decided that rings are all that matter. We decided that championships are all that matter, right? We Charles Barkley, hey, he's a great player. How many rings did he win, right? Hey, LeBron, he's great, but didn't win as many rings as Jordan. So we have given the narrative that rings are the only thing that matters. So the players have realized Rings are the only thing that matters. So what do the players do? The players sit all regular season, they load manage, and they load up for the playoffs because we've decided that winning an MVP doesn't matter as much or getting or averaging 30 points a game doesn't matter as much or winning 62 games in the regular season instead of 57 doesn't matter as much. The NBA player has now been conditioned to think rings are all that matters, so they focus on winning rings and how can they get to the end of the tunnel as healthy as possible. That's what's happened in the NBA. In baseball, it appears to me that analytics have gotten so wrapped in these guys' heads that they think, I can't play unless I'm at my best. Because if I'm not at my best, then I'm going to grade poorly, and that's going to impact me somehow in the future. But what I disagree with here, if that's the thing going on with Story, is that Story doesn't have to worry about that. Again, he's got 140 guaranteed million dollars. He gets it no matter what. He could play at 10% and hit 040 for the rest of his career. He could play at 100% and hit 750 for the rest of his career. He's got a lot of money coming to him either way. And he's got four years of it in Boston. If he comes to the Red Sox one week early and goes 0 for 15, it doesn't affect him in the slightest. And I would have thought that for a guy who a month ago was ready to get out there and only be a DH, that he'd be willing to get out there and only be a DH now. And if I'm Trevor Story and I'm a top player, I'm thinking to myself, man, you know what? I'm only 80% right now when it comes to my timing. I feel a little bit slow on the fastball. I'm not quite sure I can time up the breaking ball, or I'm not quite sure I'm hitting the breaking ball as well. If I'm Trevor Story, I'm thinking, you know what, man, blank that. I'm Trevor Story. They need me out there. I'm the guy who replaces Andrew Bogarts. I'm the guy. You're telling me that 80% of Trevor Story is not better than Yu Chang at the plate? Pablo Reyes, Christian Arroyo? That's what it feels like. I, I'm just... I. I said at the beginning I wasn't going to get angry, and I'm not angry at Story because I get wanting to be your best, and I'm not in his body. I truly don't know what he's feeling right now. 
But if what he's feeling is just, I need to be at my best so I can perform for the grades best, then that's just a problem with baseball in general today. And I'm disappointed in that. I mean, it almost doesn't get bigger than this. You heard Buster say it. Bad weekend, your season's over. If Toronto comes here and sweeps you and you're five and a half back of them, or five back, your season is over. And and now we're on to Patriots football all the time. And Trevor Story could sit here and say, I didn't play in one meaningful game all year at that rate. $140 million. I want to see Story out there if he can play, because I just want him to want to be out there. I want him to want to help. He's been out all season. He didn't have spring training. He didn't have the camaraderie. He didn't get to play when the season started in March. He's got five months here. He's got he's got ten months without playing baseball. I would have thought that if he thought he could be out there, he'd be itching and itching and itching to get back out there at the major league level. Instead, he wants to stay in AAA. Danny, I, as I go through this segment, I get more worked up about it. Do you think I'm out of line here? No, but the first parallel I think of when he said load management is uh, the Kawhi Leonard situation where he has his own trainer saying he's not good, but the, the Spurs are saying he's good to go. So does Trevor Story have his own personal trainer saying, like, yeah, he should hold off? Um, I, I would not say that. I truly think this is just the athlete himself saying, this is how I feel, whether that is how I feel physically or this is how I just feel baseball-wise. I think this is all a Trevor Story decision. I am sure the Red Sox, um, I am sure the Red Sox training staff is saying to him, let us know how you feel. And this is what he's telling them. So I don't know, I don't think they're mad at him. They might be disappointed like I am, but I don't think they're mad at him. And they know the player better than I do. Texter says, short story should do what the doctors say. He has a life beyond baseball. All right. Let, let, easy with that a little bit, okay? Trevor Story is at the, he's got, he's only got a few days left on his minor league rehab assignment. He's all, he's coming back next week. Okay. No matter what, because the, the rehab assignment is coming over, is, is over with. So he has a life beyond baseball. This is not a life-threatening injury that he's dealing with here. He's at the tail end of his recovery to the point where he's got to come back next week. We're talking about the difference between, you know, coming back now or coming back in five days from now. This is not like, oh, he has a life beyond baseball. Trevor Story is already playing baseball. He's playing a triple-A. He's already playing shortstop. He's already making throws. His life, his quality of life is already good. As far as this goes, he is a professional athlete who is doing professional athlete things. I am wondering him about him. You know, could he do this now versus four days from now versus on Monday or versus on Tuesday? Text says, um, Reds fans saw Joey Votto dial it down and play two different stints in AAA before joining Cincinnati in June. I get the immediacy of the moment to getting story back ASAP despite his apparent apprehension. Difference is with the Reds, I would think, and I, I'm not a Reds fan, I'm not a Joey Votto expert, and I like Joey Votto. Joey Votto's going through injury, and the Reds are 8, 10 games under 500. Right? The Red Sox were bad for April and May. They started getting hot in June, and as they start getting hot, then Votto ramps it up and he's able to come back. I'm not saying that he would have dogged it just because the team was bad, but the situation is different. Joey Votto comes back to a team that had been under 500, or, you know, had been under 500 and was kind of ascending. Trevor Stories, this is the season for the Red Sox. This is very much the season. Now, if they sweep Toronto, it doesn't guarantee them to get into the playoffs, but if they get swept, they might as well be done. Because if they get swept, either the Angels or Mariners are going to be ahead of them, Toronto's going to be ahead of them by five games, the Yankees will probably be ahead of them. And now you'll have too many teams to leapfrog with 50 games to play. And the odds are not in your favor. Impossible? No. But you have too many teams to leapfrog. So I'm just, I'm questioning this. Tom Karen might be able to, to poke holes in my argument. We'll talk to him tomorrow at 545. I love having TC on. We're going to talk to him on a rare Friday. But I, I just, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. It's the Brady Farka Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I'll continue to take your texts on that. Um, and I got a couple other Red Sox things I want to get to later. Uh, Mac Jones was all over the NFL network yesterday at Patriots training camp. And a lot of people 
saying a lot of good things about Mac. I have one big question for him. I'll tell you what that is next on TV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Reminder, you can get in, as always, on the text line, 802-585-3026. A couple of news-based items here. There's been an accident in the last 40 minutes or so. So if you're heading on I-89 northbound from... Uh, Milton exit to Colchester is backed up, right? So the Milton exit is backed up uh, from Milton to Colchester due to an accident. So do be safe there. Again, that's within the last 40 minutes or so, so it might have cleared up by now, but just be aware of that if you're on the interstate and you are heading north, that there's been a backup recently. And uh, there is some inclement weather in and around parts of Vermont right now. We may get another weather update here in a little while from the National Weather Service. If we do, we will uh, just deviate for a second from sports and play that. we got a half hour left in the show, though. Then it's Jazz with George Thomas, and then we will have uh, racing over at Thunder Road. That's a 8 o'clock start tonight with Nick Mumley and Greg Titus. Um, interesting stuff out of Patriots training camp. I spent a, not a lot of yesterday, but I spent a good amount of time yesterday listening to Patriots coverage on the NFL Network, right? They're kind of doing their, their training camp tour, and – they were talking with Mac Jones. They talked with Juju Smith-Schuster. Got, you know, just the talking heads at Patriots camp. Tom Pelissero was there. So I watched that. I heard Mac talk. I heard Juju talk. And then I kind of went to the Internet, and I found more stuff out of Patriots training camp. And, uh, Danny, I want to play a couple of things here. Um, play me Juju Smith-Schuster number two, kind of just talking about Mac Jones and his energy. It's, it's nice. I mean, uh, that dude, man, he, he's a spark. You know, he's a spark in our offense. You know, it starts with him, and we kind of just all feed off of it. And then once that once that's going, you know, the O line to the running backs, the receivers, the tight ends, like we're all just pouring in. And uh, when he's having fun, we're having fun. The confidence levels is, you know, through the roof. So Juju says that Max, our leader, he's kind of our spark plug. He's having fun. The NFL Network people noted that I think it was Scott Pioli and Tom Pelissero noticed that Mac personally is having a lot of fun at camp, and that. He's doing touchdown dances, and he's being energetic, and he's bringing the juice, and him and Juju have a touchdown dance routine. And you can laugh at that, and you can think, oh, that's what wouldn't happen my football. But people in modern-day football do that, and people like that. So you got Juju talking about Max Energy. you got the guys at the NFL Network talking about Max Energy. And then you got Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston also kind of noticing the same things. They're dancing up a storm. NFL Network is there talking to Mac Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster about how they're going to celebrate their next touchdown. The fact that they've come this far, not only from last year, but just from a few practices ago, is noticeable to us. It's noticeable to the players, and it looks like they're going to have a much, much better product in 2023. That is worth celebrating to a degree. I read a story today in the Boston Herald as well in which Mac Jones said that basically I want to be more fun this year. I want to be a better leader. I want to be more upbeat. I want to be more optimistic. I want to, to give off more good energy. And I think that's important, right? We saw Mac last year act too childish. Now, again, I think we all get why he was upset and why he was frustrated, but I think we saw Mac act too childish. He's, you know, freaking out about what's happening Thursday night football against Buffalo. He's calling out Matt Patricia. Um, on the Monday night game on national TV against the Cardinals. We know he's going behind Bill Belichick's back, talking to the Alabama coaches. We know all that now. So Mac acts too immature in 2022. This year he wants to rectify it, wants to act more mature. I believe that's a good thing. My question for Mac Jones is this. What happens when things start to go astray? Because you know the old Mike Tyson quote, right? Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Well, what happens when Mac Jones gets punched in the mouth? What happens when adversity hits this team? Then I want to see how Mac Jones is. Because, look, training camp is very, very easy to bring the energy, especially at the beginning, right? We You get towards the middle of the end of training camp, and guys get tired, and guys get frustrated, and guys get irritable, and guys are ready to get going, and they're just trying to get to the end. We're still in the early stages, the first day of school period of training camp, right? Nobody, knock on wood, nobody's hurt yet. Um, 
nobody's hurt yet. There's we haven't played any games yet. We haven't seen anything bad on film yet. I haven't been hit yet. So it's very easy right now to have optimism and bring the energy. And that's what Mac Jones is doing. My question is, what happens when things start to go astray? Danny, do we have that weather update before I continue on? I want to get deep into this, and I don't want to. All right, let's see if we got it. Okay, so we're going to continue on with Mac Jones, which is, uh, again, look, the rain is coming. Thunderstorms are in and around the state of Vermont. They're coming in from New York and northern New York. You heard in the last weather update, things coming out of Essex County in New York, out of Clinton County. Do be safe, especially as you're in Chittenden County, Franklin County. Do be safe. Get where you're going. Stay indoors. That's what the last update said. Um, we will continue to monitor it. Um, let's, let's reset here a little bit. 802-585-3026. We're talking about Mac Jones having better energy, recognizing he needs to kind of change up his attitude. That is important. But, again, it's easy to have that good attitude now. What happens when something goes wrong? What happens when Mac, uh, when a guy misses a block and Mac gets hit and Mac's now realizing, man, we could have gone out and done better at right tackle? What happens when the Patriots have had to punt on three consecutive possessions and Mac is wondering, man, it would be nice if I had a receiver who separated? What happens when – one of his tight ends gets hurt and can't play, or one of his wideouts gets hurt and can't play, or Ramondre Stevenson exits the field for a couple of plays and can't play, and Max sitting here wondering, going, man, what, okay, what's going on back here? What happens after week one if the Patriots lose to a really good Philadelphia Eagles team and Bill Belichick throws a thinly-veiled shot at Mac in the media and Max's insecurities from last year all come rushing back? Is Max still going to be able to be that same guy, that same energetic guy, that same upbeat guy, or does he revert back to his old tactics? Hey, think about it like you as a person. I'm sure in your life you have had a relationship out there, whether it be a romantic relationship or just a friendship, where where, where you have gotten kind of uh, on bad terms with somebody. And then you step back and you have a powwow and you conversate about it and you say, okay, hey, I, I did this wrong and you talk it out, you did that wrong, and now we're going to come together and now we're going to be good. And you're really good for two days and four days and six days and a week and two weeks and a month. But then all of a sudden, the thing that made you irritable the first time around kind of happens again. And now you get bothered and you're like, you're just not able to do it, right? It's very easy at the beginning when you've had that conversation with a romantic partner or a friend to sit here and say at the beginning, hey, we talked, we're all good. But then a month later, you're not all good because something else has happened. Or the same thing that's always bothered you rears its ugly head. That absolutely can happen in New England. So I want to know if Mac Jones is going to be that same guy. Is he going to be that same person? The same guy that Juju Smith-Schuster is praising. Will that be Mac in December when this team is staring down the barrels of a 7-8 and eight season and they've got two wins that they have to get to go 9-8 and eight and maybe sneak into the 7th seed of the playoffs? Right? It's easy to be good, and it's easy to be upbeat when things are good, when things are on easy street. And here we are, training camp again. Is that first day of school? I can't tell you. Like, I played on three really bad college baseball teams, right? Three of my four years, we were really bad. But the first week and a half of practice, you would have thought we were going to win the conference because everybody's there, everybody's excited, everybody's healthy. Nobody's had lack of playing time yet. Coach hasn't screwed something up. No one's been called out. At that point, you're in college. No one's got bad grades yet. No one's academically ineligible, and no one's teacher's giving me a hard time, and no one's had – by the way, we're not in class yet, so no one's dealing with schoolwork. It's very easy in the first week and a half to be optimistic. It's very easy to bring the energy. It's very easy to be a leader at that time. Right? First day of school, everyone's excited. Right? Everyone's happy to be back first day of school, and if you say you're not, you're lying. Every person was always happy to be back. It was, okay, hey, first week of school, I get to wear all my new clothes. I get to wear my new shoes. I got a new haircut. I got this. I want to see these friends for a while. I haven't seen these people for a bit. Now we got practice starting, and we got to get our first football game. First week and a half of school is great. You know when school stinks? October 1st, September 20th, December 10th. Can you bring the energy all year long? Sometimes that's just how things work in radio, right? We, we talked about getting the uh, getting the uh, weather update up here twice. It didn't play. Then it fired on its own. So I think it cut me off a little bit. But the bottom line is this. Again, stay safe from a weather side. Wherever you are, stay safe. That is first and foremost. Secondly, on the Patriots' note, 
Mac Jones. How do you act when things get tough? How do you act when Bill Belichick throws you under the bus? How do you act when Bill Belichick tests you publicly, tests you in the media? I don't know. That's what I will be interested in. Texter says, being an NFL, oh, it says, uh, good point. We'll see if Mac Jones has matured when all hell breaks loose. Being an NFL quarterback is all about how you handle pressure. Being an NFL quarterback is a lot of things. How you handle pressure and how you respond to, to, to certain situations is a lot of it. And you know what's interesting, too, is that I think Mac Jones is really good. Above the shoulders. We've talked a lot about that, right? Mac Jones is smart. Mac Jones is inquisitive. Mac Jones is bright. Mac Jones, I think, gets things. I think Mac Jones can be taught. I think Mac Jones has a good head on his shoulders. Where Mac Jones struggled with his head on his shoulders last year is being too emotional, is being overly emotional, is being too negative. But I also think Bill Belichick created some of that, not only with the coaching decisions that affected the on-field product, but also with the... Also with the attitude that, that he gave Mac Jones or with the insecurities that he bred in Mac Jones. I've said this a lot. Not everybody can respond to the Jedi mind tricks. Not everybody can respond to the mind games. And Bill Belichick was playing mind games with Mac Jones last year, and I don't think he responded well to it. I know I wouldn't respond well to it. I've had that done to me before. That's not a coaching technique that works for Brady Farkas. I don't know that it worked for Mac Jones either to have your your toughness questioned, to be called out of the media, to be not guaranteed the job, to be, you know, having Zappy get praised all the time. I don't think that was good for him. We'll see what Belichick does this year and what that elicits in Mac. We do have football tonight, by the way. I don't know if you knew this, but we've got football tonight, Danny. we got the Hall of Fame game between the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. Now, yes, it's the Hall of Fame game. It's good Back to up have quarterbacks. Football. Backup quarterback central. No Deshaun Watson in this game. No Aaron Rodgers in this game. You will get to see Zach Wilson, which might be interested to some, un- interesting to some people to see kind of if he's developed, how he does as a backup, kind of what his mindset is, how he plays. And then you're going to see Kellen Mond, who was acquired from the Vikings, plays for Cleveland. They got a rookie in there, I think, from UCLA as well. Um, I'll be honest with you. I might watch four minutes of this. I have very little interest in any preseason football that's not the Patriots, or the Seahawks. I am, There are plenty of people out there that are going to watch the, the Hall of Fame game tonight. They're like, just so happy football's back. There's going to be people that are watching the Hall of Fame game tonight and are going to gamble on it. If that's how you are, do you. I have no interest. Right? The, the guys I've heard of are not going to play. The guys I care about are not going to play. Um, I do have a mild interest in how Zach Wilson fares, but by and large, not a lot of interest to me. In this game, I may watch three minutes or so gameplay in the first quarter just to say that I did it, but I'm not going to take anything from it. Danny, you're not a football at all costs guy, are you? Are you going to be? Are you interested in the Hall of Fame game tonight? Not especially. Okay, are you interested in any preseason football, Patriots or otherwise? I'll watch it, but I'm not going to analyze it too much. I am going to analyze the Patriots, and I do that every year, right? I enjoy Patriots preseason football. I always have, and ever since I did this show, I certainly have enjoyed it more. I do think there are things to take away from preseason football. I know the offense isn't going to look the same, and I know they're not going to give out too many wrinkles, and I totally get that. But I'm interested in when the Patriots play. I think their first game is like August 10th. I think it's next Thursday, and I want to say it's against Houston. And I think that will be an interesting game. It will be interesting to just see how Bill Bryant, Bill O'Brien is on the sideline. I don't know that Mac is going to play, but it'll be interesting to see how Bill O'Brien is. Remember, there's only three preseason games now, so everything is a little more compressed, so you might see some starters for a little bit longer than you would otherwise. In the Houston side of things, you're going to see C.J. Stroud play, who's the number two overall pick in the draft out of Ohio State, so that's interesting. But also, i got to watch my preseason darling. I want to see how... This guy, Demario Douglas, does. Danny, have you heard this name, Demario Douglas? No, I've not. Where, where is he playing? Okay, Demario Douglas is a Patriots wide receiver, and this is the guy that's turning heads in camp. Like, this is the guy that's turning heads in camp. Every year we hear a about a training camp darling. Like, five years ago it was this guy, Austin Carr. And then it was Christian Wilkerson one year. And it was Jacoby Myers one year. And Myers really ended up playing well and showing out. So 
I don't know about a lot about Demario Douglas, but he's a 5A wide receiver. They drafted him in the sixth round. He's so he's small, but he's very very quick. He's very very tough. He's very very physical. And guys really really have liked him, including our friend Phil Perry, Danny. He's blocking his face off. They're doing a lot of screen work today, and so he was moving people on two separate occasions that got huge cheers from the players and offensive staff that were nearby. I mean, he's he's checked every box that he has been asked to check to this point. That's why I'm high on. I mean, so we'll see. But, like, that's the guy when the Patriots play next Thursday that I'm going to be keen on. That's the guy I'm going to watch. Like, right now he's wearing number 60 at camp. He'll have a real number by the time games by the time the game starts next Thursday. But I look at the Patriots wide receiver group, and I think, okay, they've got um, – let's run through the list. Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyquan Thornton. Uh, that's four. And then I think that's it, right? Like, Thornton, Juju. Parker, Bourne, and then there's room for a fifth, probably, especially a guy who can play special teams. And that guy might just be able to be Demario Douglas. Now, there's still going to be a tight end-based offense, too, with Gesicki and with uh, with Hunter Henry, but there's room for a fifth wide receiver. And maybe he gets to end up on the, path, on the uh, practice squad to start, but the guy who I think there could be room for to make the team. So we'll see. They've also got this, this youngster, Kayshawn Booty, who's uh, played relatively well, especially today here. But, uh, you know, Juju, Parker, Thornton, Bourne, there's room for a fifth. Maybe DeMario Douglas is that guy. Again, they drafted him this year in the sixth round out of Liberty. So sixth round out of Liberty, which is the same school that Malik Willis went to, who's the uh, quarterback who was highly taken last year by the Titans. So, uh, again, racing tonight at Thunder Road. Our coverage begins at 8 o'clock. Nick Mumley, Greg Titus on the call. Weather is out there. Stay safe, everybody. We'll be back with a couple more thoughts on the Red Sox here after the trade deadline. What I think is a trade deadline mistake here on next on the Brady Farka Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farka Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in Brady Farka Show. We're here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Text line's open, 802-585-3026. Um, Something here on the Red Sox, and Danny, we talked earlier in the show about Hyam Bloom's comments about the trade deadline. Well, John Tomasi of NBC Sports Boston, he was more mad about what Hyam Bloom had to say and what Hyam Bloom did at the trade deadline than I was. He says the comments by Hyam Bloom were offensive. When you go back and you watch it and you read the quotes and you hear them again, you realize that that was almost more offensive than the inaction at the trade deadline itself. You know, that, like, when you hear it, we're underdogs. The odds aren't in our favor. And you're just saying, wait a minute, this is a team that's a game out in the loss column. Uh, blew a lead, I believe, today. But still, you're talking about a team that is right there. And the only team in front of you comes to Fenway on Friday. No matter what happens between now and then, you can be in possession of a playoff berth by the end of the weekend. And Giles, he's talking about that team like it's out of, like they're out of it. I don't get it. Yeah, I found that to be disturbing as well. I didn't like hearing that we're underdogs. We're looking at the percentages and fan graphs, odds that aren't in our favor. That's way too high techy for the average fan. Okay, I, I, one of my problems with High and Bloom and this whole thing is not just what they didn't do at the trade deadline. It's also what he said and how he's handled it. High and Bloom continues to not necessarily win the, the the battle of public opinion because he stubs his toe in terms of what to say to the media. You know, Danny, do you know what Hyam Bloom should have just said? Do you know what he should have said on Tuesday? Go ahead, GM Brady. He, he should have just looked at the camera and said, you know what, I feel really good about our team. Okay, you all think we need to make moves. You all are worried about where we're at. I feel really good about our team. And maybe I wouldn't have believed him, but that would have been the thing to say. And he should have said going further, okay, you all wanted us to go acquire outside help. Well, we got outside help coming in. It's called Trevor Story. It's called Chris Sale. It's called Garrett Whitlock. It's called uh, Tanner Houck. It's called eventually Joely Rodriguez again, who's going to come back from the injured list at some point here soon. That's what High and Bloom should have said. You all want us to go acquire a fourth or fifth starter. Well, guess what? We got a bunch of, of, 
we got a bunch of top flight rotation guys coming back right now. That's what we need. And I could have disagreed with it, but that's what he should have said rather than saying, hey, man, we were on the phone, we couldn't get anything done, and, hey, by the way, our odds aren't that great anyways. That would have gone further. And we would have been arguing about it too. He's, he wouldn't have won the court of public opinion, but he wouldn't have looked as bad as he looks. Because when you come out and say that we're out of it and that we don't feel that great about our chances and that we tried and couldn't get anything done, that doesn't subject yourself to a lot of faith. It doesn't. Just come out and say, hey, man, we like our team. We feel good about what we've got. We're getting these injured guys back. I like this crew. And it would have gone further. And maybe Tomasi wouldn't have been offended by it. You might have disagreed, but it wouldn't have come off offensive. As for Chris Sale, he threw a rehab outing the other day. He threw two innings. He gave up, I think, one hit. He gave up two walks. He had a couple of strikeouts. He's going to pitch again on Sunday for AAA Worcester. He spoke about what he's looking for out of these rehab appearances. Just being around the zone. Um, obviously, command is, is probably the most important issue when it comes to pitching. So, um, you know, I wanted to be obviously in the zone as much as possible. But even when I missed, I wanted to you know, miss small. Um, and then obviously coming out of it good, feeling healthy and feeling strong. So um, felt like we checked a couple boxes today. And, you know, Sale threw 40 pitches. He threw 26 strikes. I saw some grief online that he didn't throw enough strikes. That actually sounds pretty good to me. That's a 65% strike to ball or strike ratio right there. Like that's if you're 65%, that's a really good percentage. So you know, you wouldn't have liked those 14 balls to have manifested themselves in walks. You know, you don't want to walk people, but overall, 65% strikes is pretty good. If I threw 100 pitches and threw 65 strikes, I'd be feeling pretty good about that performance as well. So I, I didn't love. The, the online backlash that he got there um, from people. But overall, you know, again, I didn't watch the outing, but the reports seem good on the velocity. The reports seem good on the health. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to getting Sale back because now they, now they need him. They didn't go out and make moves, so now they need him. Thanks to Danny, as always, on the other side of the glass. Danny, drive safe home yourself. Everybody else drives safe. Also, the full show podcast and our Buster Olney interview will be available shortly on the podcast channel. We're back at it tomorrow. Ahead of Red Sox and Blue Jays, Thunder Road Racing comes up at 8. Jazz with George Thomas is next on DEV.